What is a bite threshold and what do we have in common with pit bulls? That's the topic of today. Welcome to Healing Through Pain. I'm your host, Steph. And this is a show that dives into health and healing and we discuss how you can show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you are a close part of my world at all, you would be probably acutely aware of just what a fan I am of dogs, more specifically what a fan I am of pit bulls. And truth be told, um, back in, I think we got our pit bull in 2014. Back in 2014, I was very aversive to this breed. I had every stigma that is culturally out there was imprinted in my brain. And I was pretty sure that um, me being around a pit bull would be me getting my face eaten off invariably. I just assumed that would happen because that's what the news would like us to believe. Um, But in 2014, right around spring break, uh, my husband and I had access to meet a little fella. His name was Tyson. I did not like that name at all. Um, He was a six-month-old pit bull that was in a pretty compromised situation, and he was going to be surrendered, and he had been treated pretty poorly up until that point. And so we had the option to go meet him, and he was just the biggest kind of lumbering oaf I've ever seen. Zero coordination, so instantly we had stuff in common, which which was very cool. Um, but we took him home and I will say for the first three days, I was honestly just terrified. I was absolutely terrified, but he was so harmless and so lovely. Uh, he ended up having pretty severe anxiety. So what we had to do, and when I say had to do, I, I will correct that and say what we chose to do was to get him a sister. And this was, uh, late 2014 when, uh, Izzy joined our crew And she was also in a pretty bad situation. And she actually has a pretty significant trauma history. And so I'm going to allude to that later in the show. Um, But throughout time, being exposed to these dogs, I was so taken with their personality. They're, They're so spirited and so fun and so goofy and so loving. And anyone who's a pit bull dissenter out there, you know what, my my task is not to win you over. You haven't lived my life experience. And, and I went from being very aversive to absolutely enamored with these pups. Um, and, and I know the stigma carries for some people, so be it. We're actually going to flesh that out a little bit today because I think there's a lot of interesting parallels between dog behavior and human behavior. That's not meant to be offensive. It's just an observational thing that I'll kind of parcel through with you. Um, but what I wanna talk about today is an incident that happened probably about two and a half years Years later. Um, Izzy had a trauma history. Her initial name was Ariel. We renamed her Izzy. Um, Tyson was the boy and we renamed him Brick. So we had Brick and Izzy and we were just this cute little family unit. And what we had over time was the observation that with Izzy's trauma history, she had been locked in a garage and basically abandoned for a, a pretty long period of time. When we got her, she was very malnourished. She was very food sensitive, meaning if there was food down and there were two dogs there, she would use force to make sure she was the one that ended up with the food. And, you know, we learned that very quickly. So we kept them, you know, separated during uh, feeding time. Outside of that, they got along really well, but she was food sensitive due to having a trauma history of a neglect and some outright abuse. And so it was interesting. My husband was having a, a night of cards with some friends. And so I think we had like six or seven guys in the house and my sister-in-law and I were out shopping. And when we got home, it was, it was boisterous. The guys were loud, but the the dogs were doing a-okay. So my sister-in-law and I, uh, we kind of, you know, come on into the house and and we're being rowdy and they're being rowdy. And the atmosphere definitely changed a little bit. I also had purchased a mirror when I was out. And so I'm coming in and I'm showing off the mirror and, you know, lights bouncing off the ceiling and stuff. And, you know, within a matter of moments, 
the dogs tangled and they legitimately looked like they were going to eat each other's faces off. Like uh, Brick was about 90 pounds when that happened and Izzy was about 40 pounds. So it seemed like it was um, a really unfair match. And uh, so my husband, he kind of ran across the room and body checked the big dog to separate him. And, um, you know, we separated them and let them calm down. But while that's happening, I mean, obviously my body goes into this fight or flight and I'm, I'm just panicking and I'm beside myself because these are both of our dogs. And unfortunately, you know, we blurred the lines where they felt more like our children at times, probably. And so when they attacked each other, that was absolutely terrifying. And you have all the stigmas and you have, you know, the worry that, oh my word, we had friends here and, and they witnessed this. And now we've, you know, they're going to think poorly about our dogs. And this is literally outside of the behavior that our dogs would ever show um, on the regular. And so I, you know, I went to bed that night and I couldn't sleep because that it was so jarring. And so I started to do some research on like, what would have happened there? What would have caused them to be fine? And then suddenly they're tangling and... It, it, I know it was atmospheric. I know something had shifted and I wanted to understand it so that in the future we could be a little bit more kind of vigilant about um, what was uh, going to trigger the dogs into some sort of tangling the way they did. And what, uh, what I stumbled across was literature about a bite threshold. And a bite threshold is going to be the kind of the tipping point that every canine has that if you start to take away enough resources or heap enough abuse upon them, or you're going to um, neglect them, eventually they're going to snap. And that applies to really any type of dog breed. And I believe, I want to say it was what the dog saw from Malcolm Gladwell, but one of his books, he specifically goes through and says, what we've said about the pit bulls is so inaccurate. It's it's a cultural norm to say it right now that they're these fierce uh, creatures, but every single breed of dog has a kill attached to it. So huskies have kills attached to it. Retrievers have kills attached to it. Dobermans, uh, chihuahuas, bulldogs. Every dog has kills attached to it. Every breed does because every dog has a bite threshold. Now you're going to have dogs with a more triggering bite threshold, meaning it takes fewer things to upset them and therefore they might snap sooner. Then you're going to have dogs that are more docile and it takes a long time to get them to have an inflammatory reaction. But if you take any dog and you put them in a corner and you abuse them and you deprive them of food and, and you rupture the attachment with them so you withhold love from them and they don't feel loyal to you, any dog is going to snap. And there's so much to be said about human behavior as it relates to what we witnessed with our dogs there. Now, Izzy's trauma history was part of the reason that it did not take her long to ramp up. My sister-in-law and I walked into the house. There's a lot of chaos going on. The guys are laughing and the dogs tangled because... Um, um, as I was watching her, she saw something on the ground and she thought Brick was going for it. And so she intervened and, and he reacted too. And that's how they ended up tangling. But it was over a trauma. It was over kind of her food sensitivity that came from a neglect history. Now she was in a very loving home. She was in a home where she frankly ruled the roost. Um, but she still had the imprint of negative experiences and she still had the imprint of neglect on her life. And so her bite threshold was lower than another dog's might have been. And as we talk through human behavior, there's a lot of parallels to draw there. Last week I had referenced the way anxiety works and the way stress works is what we call appraisal theory. So if I have a high perception of resources, I have a low perception of risk. If I have a low perception of resources, I have a higher perception of risk. When 
when I have a high perception of risk, my behavior is going to reflect that. So I also have a bite threshold. The more resources are taken from me or the more powerless I feel, the less I'm going to have control over my actions. Not to say I don't have the responsibility of control, but organically I just have less control. And so I want to give an analogy, not an analogy, sorry, a story that um, I encountered this week with a client. So she um, she came in, uh, she's been seeing me for a couple months now, kind of post breakup from someone who was really important to her. And we're processing through that particular shift. And, you know, she came in and she said, you know, Saturday was such a trash day and I have no idea why it was bad. And then I said, well, you know, tell me about your weekend. And she said, oh, you know, Friday I got a flat tire and, oh, you know, yesterday I started my period and, oh, my sleep's been trash. And um, she started telling me kind of all of these pieces about things that were resources in her life that are lacking or that have been impeded on in the last couple of days. So I said, okay, I want you to pause just a minute here. Think back to the story you just told me about how your weekend's going and let me know if you can make any observations about why Saturday might have been a tough day. And she's like, no, I, I don't know. It just, I was so out of sorts. And I said, okay, but what happened Friday night? And she said, oh yeah, the flat tire. So maybe I was upset about that. And I said, right, um, the flat tire, but then what did you tell me about your sleeping habits? And she said, oh yeah, my, my sleep is trash. I barely get any sleep. I said, okay, so let's, let's combine those things together. We have disrupted sleep. We have a flat tire, which means you're feeling a little bit more stressed. And I said, what else did you just tell me about uh, yesterday? She said, oh, I started my period. And I said, right. So we have hormonal stuff going on, hormonal variances. We have disrupted sleep going on. We have added um, transportation and financial stress going on. And so I said, I want you to really think through why might Saturday have been a tough day? And she just kind of sat there and she was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I was like, exactly. And and we have to understand that we have limits. We all have this limit to the energy that we can put out there. We have a limit to how regulated our emotions and our behaviors can be. Again, we have the responsibility to steward our resources well and to take care of our bodies and our minds and our spirits proactively, but we also have limit. And so when my client comes in and she's telling me about just, you know, I can't believe I spiraled and what does that say about my mental health? And I'm, I'm such a, a mess of a person. I'm like, but wait a second, wouldn't we want to instead reframe that as you're a person who has limits and Saturday you happen to meet some of your limits and so you made some choices that you're not real fond of? And she's like, oh yeah, I guess that's true. And I said, okay, so what I'm hearing is we need to be very cognizant of understanding that, you know, around certain times of the month, we're going to have to be more kind of aware of our sensitivities. I'm also hearing that if sleep is dysregulated, you probably need to take it a little bit easier on yourself. Maybe don't make as many plans, don't overextend yourself. I'm also hearing that you get stressed when you feel a loss of control um, related to you have a flat tire and you have to deal with that. So congratulations, you're human. And as we parceled through her story, she was allowed to like give herself some grace because she understood that, oh, I have limits. It's okay that I have limits. We all have limits. And we were able to kind of just have a good understanding of why on Saturday she felt so disjointed and so compromised. And that's because of a bite threshold. That's because if you put someone in a corner and take away a lot of their resources and poke, poke, poke with life situations, they're going to have a moment of weakness or they're going to snap or they're going to, you know, overreact. And we're all going to do that because some seasons in life are, are pretty tough to navigate. And so that self-compassion piece, again, you have a responsibility to steward yourself well, but you also have limits and we have to give grace to ourselves that we have limits. Conversely, we have to give grace to others because others have limits too. Others have bite thresholds. Others have 
things that they're dealing with, which we might not be aware of at all, that are compromising their resources, their perception of risk is going up, their anxiety is going up, their reactions are going to be more inflammatory than what we might want to see. And so self-grace, but also others' grace as part of the process. And here's the other piece that I want you to walk away with today. We all have to do a great job of being okay apologizing because we have limits, because we're going to mess up on occasion, and because we're sometimes going to get it wrong. My friends, we have to get very comfortable with apologizing and saying, whoa, that was an overreaction. I apologize. If you are an Office fan at all, um, one of my like top five, probably closer to top three moments is when um, Andy's cell phone keeps going off and he's getting so flustered and so angry and his coworkers have hit his phone in the ceiling. So he hears it, but he can't track down where it is. And then he goes and he's so angry and he punches the wall and then he says, okay that was an overreaction. And I relate to that so much because I feel like we've all been there. We've all in the, you know, the moment after we've had an outburst, we're like, ooh, where did that come from? Well, it comes from compromised resources and it comes from having a bite threshold. And if anything, that's one of the reasons why we need to steward our health so well, because we all have limits. And when we've reached our limit, and when we do something that's outside of our character, we need to do a good job of learning to apologize and say, hey, I'm responsible for the damage that I do when I do pop off. I'm responsible for maintaining my character and maintaining um, decorum when I intersect and interact with people. And so understand you have limits, learn the art of apology, and learn some self-compassion. And that's really kind of the message for today. Um, if you are aversive to pit bulls, I really recommend that you go and just cuddle up with a few and learn about them and love on them. They are just the most precious little morsels in all the land. And the fact that they are so overrun in shelters, they're probably one of the um, highest stigmatized breeds out there right now, and they just get kind of left behind. Um, I I don't know. I It's such a travesty, honestly, because they are the biggest personalities and the sweetest little, the sweetest pups out there. And they're, uh, once upon a time, they were nanny dogs during World War II. And there's a reason why. They Maybe it was World War I, um, but super, super compassionate uh, pups. And I will be pro-team Pitbull for the rest of my life. I will also be pro-team learning how to apologize, and I will be pro-team understanding that we have limits, and I'm really working on being pro-team self-compassion. So uh, that's it for today. Thank you so much for following along. As always, if you're willing to give us, not us, give me um, a like or a follow or a share, those are very cool things that you can do on behalf of this show. And I hope you guys have a great week. 